Amen. Good morning, Orchardville Church. Man, what a great uh, time of worship together this morning already. Amen. Man, I, I love it when God's people gather themselves together and, uh, and lift the name of the Lord. Uh, not only is that an excellent witness, uh, but it, it invites the power of God to be even stronger and more prevalent uh, as we continue to, to worship through the Word. If uh, you haven't already, uh, check in to Facebook, uh, check into Orchardville on the, the Facebook app if you've got your smartphone. Uh, if you have a smartphone, you're not connected to our Wi-Fi, our Wi-Fi password is love others. So jump on the Orchardville, because you know you don't have a cellular connection out here. Man, we're in the middle of nowhere. There is no cellular connection. But we are providing for that through Wi-Fi. So get on your smartphone, jump on the Wi-Fi, uh, Orchardville's Wi-Fi password for our guest is uh, love others. Check in on, uh, on Facebook and share our live uh, service feed. Uh, we're always excited to have people uh, watching online, wherever they are. This is such a great benefit for those who are part of our church who are traveling. Uh, if they're on vacation, they can still sort of check into our service. Uh, if someone is sick, not able to be here, they can still participate in the service uh, online. And it's a great way to share the ministry of the church uh, with people who are kind of interested in us, but not ready to make the trip here yet. So make sure that you jump on the Orchardville regular Facebook page, share the stream to your circle of friends and uh, let them join us and hear what God is saying to us this morning. So last Sunday, we began a very short three-week set of messages called From Here to There, From Here to There. And it's, it's just really an overview of the book of Exodus where God calls his people out of Egypt and begins to move them toward the promised land. And the idea that I wanna share with you this, in this short series is that wherever you are, wherever you are in your life, doesn't, doesn't matter what your situation is, God is always, always calling you to draw closer to him, to move closer to him. You may be in a great place in your life right now. That's awesome. But even if you're in a great place, God is saying you can draw closer to me, right? Right? Okay. Uh, and by the way, I encourage you to talk back. We don't have to be quiet here. We can speak out. It's okay. Yay. All right. Yay. All right. <laughs> If you're in a bad place, then by all means, you need to be ready to move toward God. And so we're using the example of God moving his people physically in the book of Exodus to help us understand what that looks like at a spiritual level when God is calling us to move from where we are to where he wants us to be. So last week, we started with the idea of, of realizing where you are. Before you can go where you need to go, you got to understand where you are. Today, we're going to talk about the journey. Once you realize that it's time to move, we're going to talk about the journey and some of the lessons that God wants us to know from that teaching. So join me in prayer. Father, as we open up the book of Exodus this morning, God, I pray that you will reveal it to us in wonderful and clear ways. Uh, God, take whatever it is that I've prepared and Lord, use it like bread and fishes. Lord, multiply it in ways that, that I cannot. And, and God, just distribute it. Distribute it to this entire congregation this morning, to anyone watching online live, Lord, even to anyone watching online at a later date. Lord, would you take the word 
and meet their need where they are. Teach us what we need to know. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, open up your Bible to Exodus 19. Exodus chapter 19. Uh, I'm sorry, let's start in Exodus 12, my bad. Exodus chapter 12. Got my pages out of order. Exodus chapter 12. All right, so most of us are familiar with Moses going down to Egypt, confronting Pharaoh, and going through a series of plagues. And one by one by one, they kept getting worse and worse and worse, And Pharaoh would kept saying, no, 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 no. And in Exodus chapter 12, we get to the last one of of these plagues that are part of this this process. And I want to point this one out to you this morning. So we'll start with Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 23, I'm reading from the New King James. If you've got something different, it'll sound a little different, but I'm reading from the New King James uh, if you want to pick that one, if you've got an app. All right, here we go. Verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door, and he will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Church, I want to read that passage first as we begin to kind of talk about the journey from where you are to where God wants you to be to make sure that you understand that the journey always starts with Jesus. It always starts with Jesus. And it doesn't just start with Jesus, it starts with a crucified and resurrected Jesus that you have applied the blood of his sacrifice to your own life. Now, some of you in here this morning, maybe you've been, you've been to church. If you're watching online, maybe you go to church on a regular basis. You know about Jesus. You know about the sacrifice. But the spiritual journey that you have been trying to engage in never quite seems to find its rhythm. You never quite seem to be able to make church make complete sense. You go, you read the Bible, it's not all that satisfying, but you know it's something you should do. And so you do it, but it never quite gels. And here's why, because knowing about Jesus, knowing about the sacrifice of Jesus, that's not enough. See, the children of Israel, God's people, they had to take the blood of a perfect sacrifice lamb and apply it, and to apply that blood to their house, their dwelling. And you and I have to apply the blood of a crucified Jesus to our own heart. The journey, the spiritual journey that will prove to be satisfying, that will prove to be the eternal one that you want, It will never, ever click into place. It will never, ever make sense until you start with Jesus. 
and start with salvation. We're gonna give you a chance at the end of the service to say yes to Jesus today, to invite him into your life so that your spiritual journey can begin for real and in earnest. It's the greatest day of anybody's life is the day they say yes to Jesus. But I also wanna make sure that you understand that the journey starts with Jesus, but it doesn't end there. See, here's the thing. This was the last plague that hit uh, Egypt. And of course, they weren't following the directions of God. They didn't apply the blood of a lamb to their home. And God's spirit came across that, that situation. And anybody who's, who had not applied the blood of a sacrifice lamb to their dwelling, they lost their firstborn uh, of every kind. Firstborn of every kind. It was a horrible night. It was a horrible situation. And it was at this point where Pharaoh finally said, take those people and get out of here. But what would have happened, what would have happened if all of God's people, all the Israelites had done everything right? They took that blood of a sacrificed lamb, they applied it to their dwelling, but when it was time to move, they stayed right where they were. What would have happened? You know what would have happened? They would have stayed in bondage and slavery. See, here's the thing, church. You might have been a Christian. You might have invited Christ. You might have applied the blood of his sacrifice to your life a long, long time ago. But you never moved out of where you were. You are still in that same place the day that you said yes to Jesus and your, your spiritual journey has never been anything but just checking the boxes and going through the motions. It's never been satisfying. And you know why? Because you never moved from where you started. The journey starts with Jesus, but it doesn't end there. You know, I, I, I used to be in sales... Um, and uh, I used to read material from different salesmen. And one of, the, one of the best known salesmen of all of all time is a guy by the name of Zig Ziglar. Some of you may, may recognize his name, but probably most of you won't. Not only was he one of the best salesmen of all times, he also happened to be a committed Christ follower, which is so cool. Um, and he, he taught Sunday school in his church for years and years and years. But he was a, just a, an incredibly blessed salesman. And one of the stories that he told was, was when he was a young boy, uh, he, he went over to uh, a friend's house and that friend's house mother was, was cooking some biscuits and she had just brought them out of the oven. And when she brought them out of the oven, uh, and who doesn't like big old flaky biscuits, right? And, and we should, okay, we should just stop and eat right now, right? Whew. Uh, so uh, when she brought them out, they were the right size diameter wise, but most of them were no thicker than a silver dollar like the whole sheet, whole sheet of biscuits. And he asked her, what, what happened to the biscuits? And she told young Zig this. She said, well, they squatted to rise, but they got cooked in the squat. <laughs> Any of you ever done biscuits that squatted to rise but got cooked in the squat? See, nobody here wants to admit that. See, it's probably happened, but I'm not, I'm not telling that. I don't want anybody to know that my, my biscuits got cooked in the squat. Why in the world do I share that story? Because I'm weird, okay? But I usually try to tell these things to make a point. They got cooked 
in the squad. They were intended to be more than they were. When you come to Jesus, your life is intended to be more than it is at the time that you get converted. But it is the starting line. And so here's what happens when people go to a starting line. You go to a race, people get down in the blocks. I may not be able to give it up from this, so I might need help. Right? So they get down like this, and they're ready to run. Now, that, now some guy is, he doesn't shoot them, but he does shoot a pistol. And that's supposed to be their signal to start running. When they hear that, they come up out of that squat, and they launch themselves down the track toward their goal. What happens if they don't come out of the blocks? They lose. They lose. And a lot of Christians all across this world, and maybe even some of you sitting here today, you said yes to Jesus, but you've gotten cooked in the squat. You got in the starting blocks and you never moved. You got in the starting blocks and you never left. And you wonder why your spiritual journey has not been more than it is. It's because you're still back at the starting line and you never moved. It starts with Jesus, but it doesn't stop with Jesus. Now look over in chapter 13, just the next chapter over. We're going to look at verses 17 and 18. Exodus 13, 17 and 18. Verse 17, bless you, sweetie. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Check out this next part. Although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. And so God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And we know what happened at the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Now, when you look at that passage of Scripture, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. When your journey begins, when you start to follow God from where you are to where he wants you to be, see, here's, here's our American culture perspective. We want it to be... a. We want it to be a line that looks like it starts here and goes there. It's a straight line, right? We want the shortest, straightest, direct line from where we are to where we're supposed to be in the easiest way possible. That's what we want. But you know that God almost never takes us by the shortest, most direct route to where he wants us to go? See, this is the journey that most of us want. We want it to be that straight line, but for most of us, it winds up being this real squiggly line that goes all over the chart. It looks nothing like the path that we would chart if we were charting our own path. But the path that God takes you on often looks a lot more like that than it does a straight line. In fact, in fact, in that, in that very next verse, it says that instead of God taking them the nearest route, he took them by the way of the Red Sea. Now, they got trapped by the Red Sea. I want you to understand that in your journey, following Jesus, drawing closer to God, not only will God usually not take you on the most direct route, he will often take you in a route into a place that seems a little scary and a lot dangerous. And why in the world 
Would God do that? Why would God intentionally put you in a difficult place? A few things. God knows what's coming before we do. Amen? God knows what's coming before we do. Sometimes we want that straight line direction to where God wants to take us. And God knows if you go that straight line, you're going to get discouraged because I know what's somewhere along that line. I know what's along that path. And if you encounter that now, it's going to be discouraging and you're going to want to turn back and go right back where you came from. God knows what's coming before we do. And so frequently and often, he will not take us in a direct path and will sometimes put us in a difficult situation intentionally because when we're in a difficult place, we have the opportunity to strengthen our faith as well as see God at work. See, what we're doing when we're, when we're moving on that journey is we're developing and exercising new spiritual muscle. And faith is a muscle. Faith is developed and it is exercised. And people with weak faith usually haven't tested or put their faith to the test to see it grow, to see it enlarge, to say, I know I can trust God because I took a step here and God showed up there. It is our opportunity to strengthen our faith and see God work and know that he is a truth teller and he is reliable. That's why God will often intentionally put us in difficult places. So it becomes a place to learn that we can rely on God. See, as long as you're moving on your own thing, maybe I need God, maybe I don't. But when you start trying to do it your way, you do realize, right, that making choices on your own preferences, your own desires, uh, your own insight, that's what has made the part of your life so dissatisfying that is dissatisfying. We don't always make very good choices, but when we follow God, God will lead us toward good choices. So God will sometimes and quite often, in fact, put us in difficult situations so that our faith can be grown and we can become more confident about who he is. All right, look at chapter 14. Chapter 14, verses five through eight. Now, we know that God took them by the Red Sea, right? Like, oh, I'm not taking you on a straight line. I'm taking you by the Red Sea. Now, verse 5, it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we've let Israel go from serving us? And so he made ready his chariot, took his people with him, also took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them also. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. So Pharaoh and all the other people were like, why in the world have we done this? And they turn around and they start chasing God's people. Church, When you start moving in the direction of God, when you start moving from where you are to where God wants to take you, you need to understand this, that the things that you left behind 
will almost always not just let you leave peacefully. They will chase you down and try to drag you back or they will try to destroy you, one of the two. Students, you are in a challenging, difficult place and season in your life because you are surrounded by peers that could not care less about honoring God. And when you respond to the leadership of God through, through the teaching of, your, of, of Rick and Sarah, or you respond to something that you've heard in a message and you start trying to, to follow Jesus, sometimes you've got to start charting a new path in your school, one that takes you away from the way that you were going and the people that you used to hang around with, they're going to hunt you down. They're not going to let you just walk away. And they're either going to try to drag you right back to the very thing that God is saying you need to move away from, or they're going to try to destroy you. And you need to understand that about the journey of following Jesus from where you are to where God wants to take you. And church, it's, it's probably more prime season for our students, but you as an adult, you're not immune from that either. Habits will chase you down. Ways of thinking will chase you down. Your old preferences will chase you down. And they say, oh, no, no, you don't get away that easy. Who do you think you are just walking away from us or from these things? No, 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 no. We're either going to drag you right back to what you're trying to leave or we're going to destroy you in the process. That's how the devil works. And you need to understand that that is coming. And this is a challenging spot. Because the only way to get what to where God has for you is to follow God's path. And here in this situation, as we read it, they're in the middle of the Red Sea and an army full of chariots and an army that is ready to, to destroy them and wipe them out. They got nowhere to go. And here's the thing. God will take you in many situations into a very, very similar spiritual experience where you are technically between a rock and a hard place. You can't go this way. You can't go back the way you came. Why? Because God at that moment he wants you to realize the only way I can get out of this is by trusting God. And so you either trust what you can see or you trust your faith. This is where we're learning to rely on God. You either trust what you see or you learn to live and walk by faith. It's a choice between your flesh and your faith. And church, the only way that we get to where God wants us to go is we have to quit relying on our flesh and learn to rely on our faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We have to learn this lesson. Now, look in chapter 16. So we know what happened. God opened a path across the Red Sea. It was a miraculous thing. 
Even more miraculous is that he drowned the whole army of Pharaoh in the Red Sea after they tried to pursue God's people. God is doing incredible, incredible things. They'd watch all of these plagues, all of these miraculous things. They watched the most powerful uh, uh, country in all of the known world turn them loose and to give them gifts as they were leaving. They watched God open a sea so that they could walk across and then destroy an army in the middle of that same sea right behind them. How much more do you need to see to know that God is good? But guess what? In chapter 16, in verse 1, and they journeyed from Elam, and the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. Now, by the way, I don't... I don't think that this is purely an accident. It's, it's not technically the wilderness of, of sin. That was the name of it. But I don't think God does anything by accident. I think there's a real lesson just in the name of this place. They came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And watch this. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel did what? What they said, what'd they do? They complained, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Oh, we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. It was so good. But you brought us out of the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Man, we had it so good back in Egypt. Yeah, we were making bricks. Yeah, they were beating our backs. Oh, but man, we had big old pots of meat. No, you didn't. You had nothing. You were in slavery. God has worked miracle after miracle after miracle on your behalf. And shortly after seeing all these miracles, what are you doing? complaining. Do you know that no matter how God provides, we're always going to be tempted to complain about it? It's never enough. Hmm. Oh, Lord, how come you didn't do more? How come you didn't do that? You know, you should have done this, God. Let me tell you something, church. When we start complaining, we start belittling what God is doing. When we start complaining, we start belittling what God is actually doing. How many of you, by, by your amen, how many of you believe that God is often working in the background in ways that you don't even see? Amen? amen? When we start complaining, we're belittling what God is actively doing. Some of you will remember that John the Baptist, when he baptized Jesus and Jesus began to encounter or engage in his ministry, John the Baptist had followers. They're like, well, okay, what do we do, John? And John's answer was very, very straightforward, very simple, and so profound. John 3.30. He must increase and I must what? Decrease. See, that is, that is the formula for satisfaction, contentment, success, and power in your life, in my life, in the life of this church, in every other follower of Jesus. He must increase and I must decrease. And you know what happens when we start complaining? Who's increasing? Me. Because it's all about me. 
Me, 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 me. It's the exact opposite of what John said has to happen in our lives. He must increase, I must decrease. So church, we need to ask God to help us to stop, stop, stop the urge and temptation to complain because if God is God and he is, he is always working for your good and his kingdom. Amen. Amen. So they were complaining. Let's look at verse four. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. See, I think because of our tendencies to complain, to want to go back to what we knew, See, I think God does something that surprises most of us. See, this this verse tells us that God will actually test us. God is going to test us along the way to purify us, to get the Egypt out of us. What is the Egypt? Anything that was not of God. The Egypt is anything that, that was past and previous because God is saying, I want you to move to a new place. You know what it is? It's a little spiritual detox. Getting the Egypt out of it's a little spiritual detox. Now, I have never been through anything uh, that is, is classified as detox. Uh, I know that there are people who have addictions to certain things and they go through a season of detox. Anybody that I've ever spoken to that's been through that process says it is excruciating. Because every fiber of your being at some point in time is crying out for the thing that you used to have and that you used to know. And God says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to go to the place that I want you to go, you can't drag that stuff with you. You got to go through some spiritual detox and get the Egypt out of you. And so God's gonna test you. Oh, that's just not right. Yes, it is. Because God said, I wanna test them to see whether they will walk in my law or not. You have a choice, you always have a choice. Am I gonna follow God or am I gonna follow me? Am I gonna follow God or am I gonna follow what I want? Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow what Satan is offering out here as an option? God wants to test you. Not only for your, for, for your benefit, but for the benefit of the church as a whole. Because when you know that people are walking with God, you know that you can rely on them. And we all need those people in our lives. So let's look a little further in Exodus chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. And when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness, it was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? That's actually what manna means. What is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. 
Now, flip over to chapter 17. So in 16, they're getting bread, kind of bread they've never seen before, just sort of shows up on the ground out of the sky. Chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, also take in your hand uh, your rod with which you struck the river and go. That's why I like this thing. I like to strike things. Uh, <laughs> who needs security when you got one of these, right? Um, <laughs> verse 6, behold, I will stand before you there in the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. So Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. All right, so in chapter 16 and 17, you've got some really interesting things going on here. They're getting bread out of the sky that just shows up on the ground. They're getting water in the desert from out of a solid rock. That just doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. But it was happening. It was happening. And here's the point. God's provision for you along the way of your journey, it may not look like what you're expecting. If you want bread, what do you go do? Man, you go to the store, you buy a loaf of bread. You know, if, if you're the children of Israel, you're in, the, you're in the desert, and you're looking for bread, man, you're looking for some grain, some flour, something to make some bread from, because that's what you know. Or you're looking for an oasis to go get some water, because that's where water comes from, or from a stream. You don't get water out of a solid rock. This is another element of learning to walk by faith because God's provision for you, the very thing that you need in your journey may look nothing like what you are expecting to need and receive. You have to have your spiritual antenna up. You have to be ready to say, God, teach me and show me whatever I need to learn and see. Because I know what I want. I know what I think it ought to look like. But God says, I'm trying to teach you something new. I'm trying to teach you something different. But here's the thing. Even when God provides it, you got to go access it. He put that bread out there, that manna, every morning. But what they have to do? They had to go pick it up. It didn't just show up in their basket. They had to go pick it up. They had to access it. When God brings resource to you, when God brings provision to you, you got to go access it. This is one of the most precious resources you will ever have. It is not only the bread of life, it's the water that will quench every thirst. But that doesn't work. Right? This doesn't just magically show up in your heart. It doesn't just magically show up in your mind. You have to access it. You got to go out and you got you to pick this up. You got to dig through this. You got to gather it. Whatever God is giving you on your journey, you got to go do some work and access it. Will God make it available? Yes. Will he make you work for it? to understand it and value it and process it? Yes. 
Turn to chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 1. And in the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Now, if you know your scripture, when they got to the Sinai, this is where Moses encountered God. Three months. Three months. They've been on the move for three months. Here's the lesson. In many cases, God may wait for an extended period of time. Once the journey begins, God may actually wait for some period of time before he really starts speaking into your life. Now, can we just all be honest? It's really hard to start moving in a direction when you're not really hearing anything. You know, we love having that GPS in the car, right? Because it's showing us where we're at. I love to know where I'm at. Love to know where I'm at. We want to know where we're at. God, tell me where I'm at. And God is being quiet. And you know what most of us want to do? Well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't hear anything. I'm done. God said, well, did I tell you to move in that direction? Yeah. Well, then keep moving in that direction. God sometimes lets some distance go between where we started from and where he's taking us before he starts speaking to us. You know why? Because he wants to make sure that you can hear clearly what he's saying. Because those voices of everything that we left behind, they're still, they're still prevalent. When we start this journey, they're still very much in the back of our mind. And God wants to let some distance come between where we started and where he's taken us to make sure that we can hear him speak clearly. That we're not confusing what he's saying with what we left behind. And so God wants to make sure that he's got our full attention. Now, in chapter 20, beginning in chapter 20, we got the Ten Commandments. And over the next 11 chapters, chapter 20 through 31, two major things go on there. You've got the Ten Commandments, and you've got all the details of the tabernacle. Ten Commandments, all the details of the tabernacle. Here's the lesson. The journey, the journey is a time for establishing a commitment to worship, and it is a time for divesting yourself of what you left behind. It's leaving your map and getting on God's map. See, they had to get some distance from where they started to where God was taking them so God could say, this is what worship needs to look like. They had to get some distance between, from where they started to where God was taking them to say, this is what your life needs to look like. Where we're not confusing what we used to do with where God wants to take us. Because when God wants to take us somewhere new, we don't need what we had. If we needed what we had, God would have left us there. But God said, nope. No, I want you to move toward me, and it's going to involve something a little different. And when you start walking with God, 
worship has got to become central to your life. Now, I love when we gather here and we sing and we raise the roof. It needs to happen every Sunday. Every Sunday. But worship is not limited to this time in this building. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is walking out of this building and day in, day out, day in, day out going, you know what, Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of my time. You're worthy of my focus. You're worthy of priority in my life. And you know what? That gets a lot easier when you start leaving behind the things that used to occupy all of your time. You realize that? So you got all this stuff back here that demands your time. God brings you out here on a new part of the journey and there's nothing going on. He goes, okay, worship has got to become central. If you don't make worship a central part of your your journey and your spiritual life, you're going to walk right back here to the place that you came from. It's going to happen. You, You can guarantee it. Worship must become central to the life of a Christ follower. And you got to let the stuff that used to be familiar to you and comfortable to you drop by the wayside. See, we all have a map. We all have a map of where we think we ought to go and what it ought to look like, how it ought to be. God says, I don't care about your map. You need to get on my map. Because my map will take you where you need to go and give you everything you need on the way there. Isaiah 43, 19, God said, behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? The NIV says, do you not perceive it? Don't you see it? God's doing a new thing. And by the very nature of God doing a new thing, guess what? You got to leave the old things behind. God says, I want to do something new. I'm I'm pulling you from where you were to where I want you to be. It's a new thing. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new focus. Leave all that behind. Make worship the central part of your life where you see me, you trust me, you hear me, you respond to me. And then the rest of the world will look much, much smaller and dimmer. Last thing, I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform. Exodus chapter 32. Turn over to Exodus 32. They'd had the gold calf incident. God was not happy. You know what that was? That was people wanting to go back to what they'd been doing before, right? That's what the gold calf was. They hadn't got the Egypt out of them. Oh, we had that back there. Let's, let's go back and do what we used to do. Let's go back and have what we used to have. Verse 26 Chapter 32, Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and he said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. 
Here's the last lesson from the journey this morning. Is that the journey is a place of clarification and it's a place of separation. See, everybody that starts the journey toward God with you, everybody that, that wants to, to jump on you know, the, the path with you and start the journey, whether it's as an individual or as a church, whenever you or a church begin moving in God's direction, not everybody that starts with you will finish with you. Do you know that? Not everybody that starts with you will finish with you. There will be people who don't complete the journey with you. And this is that place where you have to make a decision. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to continue to move in his direction? Am I going to stay on his map? Or am I going to turn around and go back the other direction because I value this person I value this thing, I value this situation more than I value where God is leading me. The journey that God is calling you to is a place of clarifying your own motive. Are you in it because of somebody else? That's how a lot of people wind up thinking they're saved. They're in it because somebody else is. Well, they did it, so I'm going to do it, but they didn't mean it. Are, are you choosing a direction spiritually? Are you moving spiritually just because somebody else did? Or are you doing it because you know that God is calling you to move? It's going to clarify. The journey is going to clarify that in your life. But it's also going to wind up being a separation point because not everybody's going to make it. Not everybody's going to stay on the journey with you. Some of you may be the ones who want to turn around and go back. Some of you may have had people that turned around already and, and went back. And you're struggling. You're struggling because you know in your heart you want to move toward God, but you value that thing in the past so much, that, that person in the past so much that you want to turn around and go that way. And God says, you got to choose. Moses said, uh, whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me. You've got to choose. You got to choose today, church. Are you going to let that journey continue to leave Egypt behind? To leave people behind if that's what it takes to keep moving toward God? Or are you going to go back? You got to choose today whether or not you're going to just be satisfied with the idea of knowing who God is. Or you're going to say, I need to start the journey by receiving Christ into my life and I need to come up out of the squad and I need to move. I need to move. It's time to make a choice. We're going to pray. We're going to open the altar. And this is your chance to choose whatever God is laying on your heart. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes? Father, the journey is a place of many, many lessons. It's a purifying place. It's a separating place. It's a refining place. It's a teaching place. And God, we have to choose. As we enter this time of decision-making and choosing, 
with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Everybody's in a, in a moment of prayer. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Coach Mark, I, I'm that person. I know, I know who Jesus is. I know that story. But if I'm being honest, I just, I'm not sure that I've ever actually applied his sacrifice to my life. I'm not sure I've ever asked him to save me. I'm not sure if this was my last day on earth that I would spend eternity with him in heaven. I'm just not sure. If there's anyone like that this morning, would you have the courage to just raise your hand and it's just you and me and God. Would you have the courage to raise your hand and say, that's me and I, I want you to pray for me. Anyone here this morning? Anyone at all? I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, so for the person who raised their hand, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Come, come pray with me. Let's just make sure that I don't leave here today without any question about what God is and the centrality of his place in your life. Let's make sure that we do that. The rest of you, You've got different choices to make. And God is saying, have the courage to make them. Let's stand to our feet. God, as we begin our invitation and we open the altar, Lord, I pray that you'll be honored, that you'll be pleased, that people will move without fear to do what you'd have them to do. In Jesus' name, amen.